Morning. So as we uh, continue this uh, series, we're going to have the children who are here want to go and spend some time with Miss Fern and look at those readings themselves. We're going to do the same and we're going to look at them in the context of this series on what disciples do. What disciples do. We're going to dig in to what it is as we are called to be good stewards. And I want to start by asking, what is it that comes to mind when you think about stewardship? Is it the conducting or supervising of things? Is it the careful responsibility that a management might have? Is it the duty and the obligation that's maybe entrusted to someone? See, stewardship isn't, it isn't something that we really hear too much about outside of the church today. Um, being a good steward is something, though, that we are called to be. We're called to be a good steward um, wherever we are, whatever we're doing, as we walk the walk of a disciple. And as I think and I talk about stewardship, I'm reminded of many of my old friends who were, in fact, stewards. And I was a steward once working for the Royal Air Force. And it was my job to serve others. I was to steward the dining room table. I had lots of obligations outlined in my job description, which talked about caring for the property, talked about caring for the possessions of the different messes, and it, caused, it talked about caring for the persons who we were to be serving as well as many other daily duties that were assigned. See, for us as disciples, I think that's actually probably a really good way to think about the breakdown of what stewardship is. We have an obligation to care for property, possession, and person. As we carry out our specific duty to the calling which we have both been given corporately and individually. And if we look at the scripture and we learn about stewardship through the scriptures, the most obvious place is, I think, Genesis 1 as the place to start. And so Genesis 1, got God, the Trinity is sat there. Let us make God, God says, let us make man, let us make humans in our image according to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and the animals on the land. Let them have dominion. So God made man and gave man that dominion, and then said, be fruitful and multiply. Go fill the earth, subdue it, have, the, have that dominion. I 
as human beings, we have been given the responsibility to steward the earth and all that is in it. And Genesis 2, which has a kind of a, um, a complementary creation story to Genesis 1, phrases it that the Lord God took man, put him in the garden to till and keep it. So steward, stewardship, when we talk about stewardship, we're talking about caring for something. We're talking about looking after it. Looking after multiple things as a direct mandate that has been given us from God. But what else can we pull out of Scripture when we look at stewardship? What about the traits that a good, steward, a good steward would show. Well, yes, we're supposed to care for the world. We're supposed to care for everything that is in the world. But what's the instruction in how to do that? Well, we can go to Paul's letter to the Ephesians. And in chapter 5, starting at verses 15, he says, Be careful then how you live. Not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time, because the days are evil. So do not be foolish, but understand that the will of the Lord is. Understand what it is. So how do we steward something? We steward something by understanding the will of the Lord, by being wise but not in a worldly sense. Colossians chapter 3, Paul writes, whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Yeah. That's St. Paul writing in Colossians and you hear our Paul telling you that quite a lot because he likes that verse. Right? We are to do that in everything. Give thanks and do it as though we're doing it for Jesus. He's the reason that we are here. Yeah? He's the reason that we've sang songs. We're called to be careful. We're called to be wise in a godly sense. Spirit-filled, full of thanks, full of, of, of happiness, happy to be at work, happy to do the work that we have been tasked with. And we're to do it in his name. And we're to realize that the only way we get to do it is in his strength. And if we look to the words of Jesus, before I get to talk a little bit about the parable that we heard today from Luke's gospel, I just want to briefly mention the parable of the talents from Matthew 25. Yeah, we've got, we've got the things, the things that we have been given. 
that we have been given really, uh, I want to say, the things that we have been given in trust. He trusts us with them, but also we only get to hold them. They're not really ours. We can only talk about the gifts that God gives us when we actually understand what it is to steward those gifts and to use them in the mission to which he has called us to, which is the mission that he has and has invited us into to reconcile the world to himself. But we've also got to think in terms of stewardship beyond just the gifts that God gives us and whether we are using them to gain a return for the kingdom, we've also got to think in terms of our physical gifts, the things that we can touch, the things that we can, the things that we can see, the things that are physical, the things like the property that we may have, the things like the people that God places into our lives. See, Jesus finishes that parable saying, for to all those who have, more will be given. And they will have an abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. And as for this worthless slave... Throw him into the outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. And that, that worthless slave is the person from the parable who didn't do anything with the gift, with the talent that had been given. He simply, out of fear, buried it so as not to waste it. But to be a good steward is actually to accept that we have permission to fail. Okay? God wants us to use the things he's given us to expand his kingdom. And if we get it wrong, he's going to say, thanks for trying. Have, a, have another go. But if we sit there and go, oh, I can't do it. I can't do that. Nope. Then he's not going to give us anything to try again because we haven't actually used what he's given us. To steward something for God is to use it. It's to use it but not abuse it. To those who have, more will be given. If you bury something in the sand, you don't have it anymore. And if you don't have it anymore, it's going to be taken away from you. And that might seem like a bit of a harsh teaching. But the point is, is not about increasing poverty levels by taking away from people that don't have. It's not about um, 
maintaining a divide in society between the rich and the poor. We're not talking about the people who have little in a physical term. We're talking about the people who won't use what God has given them for his purpose. And if we hold on to it or we bury it, then he's not going to give us more. What Jesus is really, really getting at, really trying to, to stir up here, is that to be engaged in the stewardship of the kingdom, he trusts us. He wants us to be at work. Yeah, he says elsewhere, doesn't he? Um, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Send workers into the harvest field. If at any point you think Jesus calls us to not be workers, to not be doers, that itself should give us a, a kickstart to do something. Yeah? He doesn't tell us that we have to worry about it all. He just tells us to get on with the work. We do the work, Jesus does the worry. Because when we do the worry, we take our eyes off the work and we allow ourselves to become debilitated. We allow fear to set in and then we do just simply bury things out of fear. This series is called What Disciples Do. And it's called What Disciples Do for that very reason that we are called to work for him. Yeah, it might sound nice if we actually talk about work out in the world. It'd be nice to have a job where we just got to sit down and do nothing and get paid. <laughs> Wouldn't it? But when we talk about kingdom work... There is, no, there is no nothing. There's no retirement in the kingdom. There's always something to do. But that doing needs to come from our being. Okay, that doing needs to come from our identity in Christ. Because without... That, without doing it from that place, we're trying to do it in our own strength. We're not trying to do it in the strength that he's given us. We're not trying to follow him. We're actually trying to replace him. Do it in his strength. Do what he's calling us to. Follow his will. And what do we get? We get success. Now, that success might not look like the world would define success. Because success is well done, good and faithful servant. That's how we should define success. Not by monetarily gain, not by bums on pews. Not by making Christians. 
but by simply doing what Jesus asks us to do and go make disciples. Following him and leading others so that they see him through us. That's what we do. And stewarding is part of that. Stewarding what he has given us, whatever that is. And for all of us, that is something different, whether it's gifts, whether it's uh, a job, whether it's property, whether it's a healthy bank account, whatever it is. We accept that it is given to us in trust and that we are called to use it for his kingdom expanse. See, without our active work for the kingdom, we go back to Genesis 1 and those words, be fruitful and multiply. Without our work for the kingdom, there's going to be no fruit. If we don't set out to do, then we're going to have no return. And if that's the case, we're choosing to live outside of God's will. We're choosing to live outside of being a good steward. And we intentionally disobey God's command. And if we come in to, to look at, at our reading from Luke today, this reading can cause quite a bit of confusion. This manager has been identified as being dishonest. And he's going to lose his job. And yet he is still rewarded. He is still commended for his dishonesty. And we wouldn't say dishonesty is a good trait for a steward, would we? But they're not really here in this story pointing to commending his dishonesty. He happens to be a dishonest man and he's lost his job because of that. But what Jesus is saying in there is we can learn a lot about the way the world works and in certain instances use the worldly possessions we have in order to expand the kingdom. But he isn't telling us to be dishonest. Because if we look a bit closer at this text, we actually read in a lot from the context and from the time. See, Jews were not allowed to lend money and charge interest. Okay, you couldn't charge interest on what you lent. They were forbidden from it. But they used a workaround. They lent things in kind. Okay? I'm going to lend you a hundred bottles of oil, which you can then sell for the money that you need. But I can charge you interest on oil because it doesn't say I can't. I just can't charge you interest on money. Here, have a couple of bushels of wheat and then sell them for what you need. But then I want four bushels back. 
So they had a workaround. And so what we have here in this parable, this dishonest manager is being told you're going to lose your job. What he does next isn't what makes him dishonest. What he does next is quite clever and quite shrewd because he has the accounts rectified. He has the accounts put back to actually what was borrowed and he cuts the interest off. And that's why he is commended because the owner can't exactly stand in front of him and these other people and dig into him for taking away that interest payment because he's not really supposed to charge interest anyway. And that's why he says that's very shrewd. The guy's still going to lose his job, but the manager's like, well done. <laughs> I, I, I can't really punish you for this because otherwise I'm going to reveal my dishonesty, my bad business practice. So what the parable really gets at is that Israel is the property of God. And that the religious leaders who are kind of managing that property were doing a rather naff job of the fact. They weren't actually keeping things straight. They were adding interest to everything. As they were asking people to do more and more and more to try and get to the fact and bring the people back to please God because they drifted more and more and more away from God. Yeah? In order to keep this relationship with God, we need to up the ante. You're not doing enough, people. God God's not responding. He's, we're, still, we're still being punished. Do more. Do more. Kind of adding religious interest. And we've got to be very careful not to follow that same trait as we steward what he has given us here. And as I spoke last week, the relationship that we have with God is free. Okay? And if we use simple math, that the relationship is free, that Jesus has paid it all already, so there's nothing left on our account, we can't actually have any interest to pay. He's not left one cent in there to, after 50 years, turn into money we can't afford. He's paid it all in full. So we don't have interest. And the religious leaders of Jesus, they didn't quite get that. And they were trying to add more. And Jesus goes on to talk about, about hoarding, about using one's possessions to make friends. He's not actually talking about doing that to gain a spiritual home, like buying your place into heaven. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about using a worldly practice and trading 
so that when times become difficult, which they will, and the people he's talking to, he's like, he's telling them, you're going to get a time very soon when actually you're not going to be in the house that you're in now. You're, not, you're going to be driven away because of your faith and you're following me. So use what you've got to actually make sure you have safety, you have shelter, and you can carry on doing those things that I'm calling you to do. Have an alternative plan. So when we have that in our mind, where does that take us? Does it move you to think slightly differently about that word stewardship? That it is much, much more than many people use it as time to give more money to the church. We're having a stewardship campaign. (laughs) It's so much bigger than that. So much bigger than that. And that's what Jesus is telling us. So what lessons are there here for us in stewardship? Well, I've got a few, and I'm, I'm going to try and put them in the right order, priority-wise. Number one, we need to be caring, first and foremost, for our relationship with God above all else things. Nothing else should matter more. We have got to be good stewards of our faith. Number two, we need to be looking out for others. That's that's others who have accepted Jesus to be their Lord and to be their Savior. And, And we need to be helping them to stay on track. We've got to be good stewards of the church. So we've got to be good stewards of our faith. We've got to be good stewards of the church. And then we've got to be, number three, good stewards of the world. We've got to show the world the way of Jesus. We've got to show the world what it is to walk in his path, to follow his ways, to understand his word. And now accepting him is the simplest thing you can do, even though it might be the hardest. We've got to be good stewards of the word and the world. Good stewards of our faith, our upward relationship. Good stewards of the church, our inward relationships. And good stewards of the world, our outward relationships. See, nothing that we have is ours. We simply hold it in trust. And one day, God is going to come and ask us. He's going to ask us to give an account of how we use the things he gave us to use. And Romans 14, 12 is clear about that being the case. Because if we are faithful with little, 
God will trust us with more. Can't be any clearer than that. Scripture tells us if we're faithful with the little, he's going to give us more. So we need to push on. We need to step into being fruitful. We need to put God first in his mission. Taking that on board and, and together and in, as individuals live for his mission. Corporately, we need to be using this property. We need to be using the possessions that he has given us here at St. John for his mission. And what is his mission? His mission is to reconcile the world to himself. How do we do that through our worship? How do we do that through our, our prayer time? How do we do that through, through our reading of scripture together? Through our songs, through our liturgy? And as individuals, as family units, we need to be rededicating our homes to him. We need to be rededicating our relationships to him, our stuff that fills our homes, our bank accounts, ourselves. And we need to be praying we need to be praying that we steward all that he gives us well. Because when that day comes that he asks us to give an account, is he going to say to us, well done, good and faithful servant? Because good and faithful servant is said to those who steward well. as the band are going to come back up and lead us in response. They're going to help us to prepare for communion, another gift that God gives us. Another thing that we might not think, how do we steward the receipt of the sacrament? Well, I want to provide us an opportunity to, to spend time in confession. We've done a corporate confession together this morning. But actually just spend time coming to the Lord and saying the thing that you haven't managed to steward well or the thing that you've refused to even acknowledge has come from him. Which possession have you placed above God this week? Or which person... Because Jesus said, we can't serve two masters. Someone has to win the, win the fight. And we actually get to make the choice of who that someone is. Or, or, or if it's something over God. Because as disciples, we get the opportunity to try and to try again. And to keep trying until we get it right. Because as long as we're using what he's given us and we're trying, he's going to give us more. If our heart's in the right place and we fail, 
So what? That permission is there. That permission is there, and I'm reminded of what Jesus says about the taxes. It's not a, a, a lesson to pay your taxes. He says, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. Let's be honest, nothing belongs to Caesar because everything belongs to God. So Caesar gets diddly squat. God gets everything. That's the message. Let's steward well. Let's give everything to God because he's the one that gave everything for us. Let's prepare for communion.